Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR. So you're back with us here at 3CR. This is The Sewer Show, Squatter and Unwaged Airwaves, Food Not Bombs edition of the show. So today on the show, we have an interview with um, Debbie Brennan, who's from Radical Women, about the campaign for um, reproductive rights, specifically the attack on abortion rights that, you know, is constantly underway. But as we would have, many listeners would have seen, with the Right to Life Victoria or Right to Life Australia, were having a like conferences and talks in each different state, and had Troy Newman, who was a um, who's from Operation Rescue in the U.S., was meant to come over. And um, he was denied a visa. And so today, like, I guess we interviewed Debbie about that. And um, also we're going to have a bit of a critical discussion, as happens a bit in the interview, but also more so about the idea of calling on a state to deny someone a visa and how that we don't see this as being a progressive tactic and I guess all the problems with it, especially at a time when this same border security system is being used to deny um, asylum seekers' rights or the right to come to Australia and claim asylum. Um, and then after that, we're going to have a bit more of a broader discussion about a few different things and an interview right at the end about the Mess the West Festival. But before we do any of that, we're just going to play a song because we're just having a few little technical issues again, um, trying to actually get the interviews to come up. So, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Do you have a community event or campaign you'd like to announce on radio? Maybe your group would like to take a tour of 3CR and find out how community radio works. Are you in a band and would like to record a demo? Or maybe there are people in your workplace or activist organisation who would like to undergo media skills training. 3CR is a resource for the community and offers community announcements, station tours, studio hire and media skills workshops at affordable prices. For more information, contact 3CR on 9419 8377 or go to our website www.3cr.org.au. So with us today is Debbie Brennan from Radical Women. Radical Women are one of the organisers or the main organiser at the moment of the Clinic Defence, which happens every fourth Saturday of the month at the front of the Fertility Control Clinic in East Melbourne, defending the clinic from anti-choice protesters who have been protesting for years. Um, Recently, the Clinic Defence held its 10th anniversary, and that was in August. And um, Debbie's here to talk about what's happening at the moment, I guess, with the Campaign for Women's Reproductive Rights. So how are you doing today, Debbie? I'm fine, thanks, John. That's good to know. Um, So, yeah, so what's happening at the moment, Debbie? How are things going with the campaign? Well, um, probably as as listeners um, have been following for some time, um, 
abortion rights are, they've always been under attack, but there seems to be a ramping up of that attack. And uh, most recently, in fact, um, just a few days after that 10th anniversary clinic defense that you mentioned, the Victorian Supreme Court had come down with its ruling on a lawsuit that the Fertility Control Clinic had taken out against Melbourne City Council. Um, the clinic was um, took the council to court for the council failing to uh, enforce its duty to get rid of any nuisance that could be impeding access to a health facility. That's their obligation under the Public Health and Wellbeing Act. Um, the Supreme Court ruled that while the harassing, the violently harassing behavior of the helpers of God's precious infants, the, the anti-abortionists who are out there all the time, while their behavior can constitute a nuisance, the court said that um, Melbourne City Council cannot be compelled to um, use their powers, which I think any of us who heard that ruling um, in one way, we're a bit stunned, but in another way, for a lot of us who have never seen state authorities stepping in to protect women's rights and especially reproductive rights, it didn't necessarily come as a big surprise. Um, but what that ruling means, as far as we're concerned, is that it, it pretty much gives the okay to the anti-abortion harassers to keep harassing. And um, we would expect that probably that harassment will get worse. Um, so that's one thing that's happened on the abortion rights front. So it certainly means that defending that clinic um, just remains absolutely crucial, um, if not more so. What's also been happening recently is that um, as people would be aware from the media recently that um, Right to Life um, in Australia invited Operation Rescue to come to Australia, and um, the person who is coming, his name is Troy Newman. There was a lot of drama around whether he was allowed in the country or not. That, that's another issue in its own right, but um, the main thing is that this is showing all of us that the anti-abortion movement is really escalating its assault on abortion rights. Um, Operation Rescue is absolutely notorious for its many decades of violence in the United States where um, they've been responsible for bombing clinics. They defend the right of assassins to kill um, abortion practitioners. They harass clinics absolutely ruthlessly. And so to invite them out here to Australia is really telling us that the anti-abortion movement is um, pre basically prepared to go hell for leather to uh, shut down abortion. We know that Right to Life 
wants to um, defeat a bill before the New South Wales Parliament right now to decriminalize abortion. They've always wanted to recriminalize abortion in Victoria, and um, we certainly know that they've been behind the, the harassment of the not only the fertility control clinic but other clinics. Mm. Um, so that, that's what's been happening. Um, there's also a bill before the Victoria Parliament now that, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, is a bill to establish what's called an exclusion zone around the fertility control clinic. Um, the problem is that in radical women, we we know that that is not going to be solving the harassment at all because mm. um, the anti-abortion movement is on a serious mission to shut down that clinic, to shut down all access to abortion in any way possible. They are not going to be held back by an exclusion zone. And in fact, when you listen to them, they talk about, you know, their their higher laws that they follow. You heard a mm. lot of talk about, you know, following God's law and so on. So they're not they're not gonna let an exclusion zone get in the way of harassing the clinic. Um, but that is a bill that, that is before Parliament, and it could very well pass by the end of the year. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe we'll get onto that a bit more later. Um, but thanks for the, I guess, the report as to how things are at the moment. So on Friday the 2nd of October, there was a Right to Life conference, and um, Radical Women organised, I guess, a protest out the front of that. Um, how did that go? Uh, that went really well. It was a snap action because it was only days before um, that it had become public that they had invited Operation Rescue out and um, that um, it was going to be addressing, that Newman was going to be addressing that conference. So um, we had a good roll-up. There was, um, you know, a great roll-up of uh, many groups, socialist groups, anarchist groups, individuals, people who have been on the clinic defense, and so on. And so the purpose of that SNAP action was really to make it very, very clear that, um, that the community is not going to tolerate what Right to Life and other anti-abortionists have in mind, that we are going to um, defend abortion rights, we're going to fight for extending abortion rights and reproductive rights generally. So it was a, it was a good, fiery, um, feisty uh, rally. Of course, we had to um, deal with police who were there to protect the right to life attendees. Um, we let people trying to go through the gate know what we thought of their ideas and their intentions. And um, apparently their conference was tiny. There, mm. It was just really a group of hardcore um, anti-abortionists. Mm. Well, based on the number of people that went in, it did seem pretty tiny. Um, so maybe speaking of right to life, uh, and perhaps we'll speak about Troy Newman and um, his visa that was denied. Um, but firstly, though, as you say, Right to Life have been ramping things up, and I found it very disingenuous the way they were defending Troy Newman against allegations of advocating violence, yeah. saying that he was not actually advocating violence. On, and their little, like, 
ground for that argument was that he was calling for an extension of the death penalty, so therefore that wasn't violence. Mm. Um, but anyway, so Troy Newman, for listeners that weren't aware, was denied a visa and um, came to Australia without a visa and was held in detention for about a day and then deported. Um, quite a number of um, groups and people were celebrating this, and mm. um, I know that I know a lot of people who felt uncomfortable about this, that um, while they weren't exactly sad to see him go, um, it was felt a bit weird that people were celebrating a regressive border control system to deport someone, which, you know, deports people every day who are fleeing persecution. So um, mm. what's what was Radical Women's sort of opinion of this? Yeah, look, um, uh, we agree with what you just said, that um, we, we don't look to... Um, the capitalist state to be stepping in to um, decide who can and can't come into the country. In fact, we're for open borders. And the, the, the real point for, for all of us on the ground um, who believe in social justice, in this case we're talking about reproductive rights, the real issue for us is that Troy Newman um, should have been allowed into the country um, simply because it is not up to the government and state authorities to decide what's good character and what's not. Um, but in having said that, it is up to us, the community, to be dealing with the likes of Troy Newman and Operation Rescue the way we deal with the anti-abortion movement or any other, you know, the fascist movement here, et cetera. Mm. So the problem with appealing to the state is that, number one, the state really is hardly the guardian of our rights, and that's a whole discussion there. It's hardly a guardian of our rights, that we have to assert our rights to organize in the street and our rights to free speech. To, um, to, to deal with the, the vile, repulsive, dangerous ideas of the likes of Operation Rescue. Uh, sorry, Operation, yes, Operation Rescue. So um, we, we represent the majority. Th those of us who are at that rally represent 90% of the Australian population, and we can drown those dangerous ideas out. The other part of looking to the, the state and state authorities to make these decisions about who can come into the country is that um, our own allies from overseas would be stopped from coming in. We only have to remember 10 years ago Scott Parkin, mm. who, was a, who is an um, anti-war activist, environmental activist from the United States. He was deported from Australia. So... Um, that's basically where we stand on that question. It's a dangerous thing, actually, to be not only looking to the state but celebrating when they um, when they ban somebody from coming in. Mm. Yeah, I remember with Scott Park, and I'm pretty sure one of the things that the government was saying at the time was that it advocated using marbles at a protest so horses yeah. would feel you wouldn't want to go walking. And I was like, okay, so somebody got deported for that. Yes. Yeah. Politicians and mainstream media are fueling anti-Muslim hate. Attacks on Muslims are increasing and the fear is causing some women to restrict their movements. Worse, an anti-Muslim political party is launching in October. 
It's time for people who oppose bigotry to organise. Stand up and speak out against Islamophobia. Sign the statement at www.voicesagainstbigotry.org and ask others to do the same. Don't be a bystander. Voices Against Bigotry is a 3CR supporter. We're back with Debbie Brennan from Radical Women, organisers of the Clinic Defence, um, with an interview about um, the situation at the moment for the campaign for reproductive control and reproductive rights in general. At the protest on Friday, obviously it was very clear that the police were there to facilitate the conference to allow the Right to Life conference to go ahead. But yet, um, obviously, there's legislation in Victoria, well, proposed legislation in Victoria by the Sex Party, and also the government has said they're going to introduce stuff, and there's stuff in New South Wales mm. linked to their um, uh, decriminalisation legislation and um, in the ACT as well, um, so aimed at exclusion zones similar to what operates in Tasmania. Um, at the moment, like, as you say, like, people aren't allowed to harass uh, people going to use a health service, but um, the Supreme Court ruled that, you know, the, the council couldn't be, like, compelled to basically go there and stop them. What's, and in the context of that previous discussion, I guess, based on the border control, what's your opinion then of um, exclusion zones and their likelihood to work and as a strategy in general? Exactly. Well, um, it, the exclusion zone is, is essentially exactly the same issue as, um, you know, the government being able to decide who's good character and can come in or not. Um, it's the same issue as the uh, border control, um, generally speaking. And so, uh, as, as you were saying, that is really giving um, the state authorities the right to decide who can organize in the streets, and have free speech, and who cannot. And when we look at the exclusion zone, now I know from what I've read about the bill so far, the bill is there to prohibit the kind of harassing behavior that the anti-abortionists have been using all of these decades. Um, but the problem is that when, and we know it's a matter of when, the anti-abortionists will be flouting that law, then those of us in the community would very likely not be able to defend the clinic from that violence. And so it's, it's actually a way of stepping on our rights to organize in the streets against these dangerous forces. The other thing, too, is that while this in Victoria an exclusion zone does have precedence, it's not the first kind of exclusion zone in existence. Um, I think it was last year that the Victorian government set up um, what they call safety zones, which were protecting um, um, what they call forest harvesting from any kind of community protest. But what this exclusion zone is doing around the clinic is that it's expanding the state's powers to set up these sorts of zones anywhere they please. So why wouldn't they set one up outside a work site, for example, to stop union pickets? Or why wouldn't they set one up 
in the Melbourne Central Business District to stop the next protest against the forced um, closures of remote Aboriginal communities or any kind of massive protest. So it's actually extending the state's ability to set up these things to, we know, be used against the community's rights to protest and organise. Yeah, no, totally. I guess like it's a bit of a tricky one in the sense that it seems like such an easy way to stop people from being harassed for using um, fertility control services, um, whichever ones they might be. But yeah, it is that, that double-edged sword that the same way that the government was cracking down on protests, say for um, the East-West Tunnel, where they were like mm. making areas where you couldn't protest. It's like that same thing. If you give them more power, they're not just going to use it for good. Exactly. And, and the other thing, too, just from the perspective of having, you know, defended the clinic, for example, for just, you know, for the past 10 years, I don't trust the state authorities at all to be um, actually even using the powers that it will be getting to protect that clinic. And the reason I'm distrustful is not only that bigger picture that you and I have been talking about, but actually the um, behavior of the Victoria Police and Melbourne City Council over the last 10 years, which, which we clinic defenders have seen up close and personal. In other words, um, the Victorian police have never, ever stepped in to stop the harassment. Now, that seems to be a, uh, a very, um, what is it, inconsistent, to put it politely, behavior on part of the police, mm. where that harassment is clearly there and they've never stepped in. Secondly, with the Melbourne City Council, as the clinic had said, they never stepped in to use their actual powers to prevent a nuisance, a real nuisance. Um, but they, the council has actually harassed us, the clinic defenders. And that happened um, in 2010 when, for some reason, they decided then would be a good time to take an interest in us and slap a, um, a bylaw on us for tying a banner up between two poles and um, threaten us with a heavy fine. So it's like, um, who will they use those powers against? They're, they're not using their powers against the anti-abortion harassers, but they're very, they've certainly got records of using their powers against clinic defenders specifically, but the broader community generally. Mm, yeah. Um, I might just go back to a point you mentioned earlier, which was about um, the way we, you know, I suppose, confront those people who, with who, who have repugnant ideas. And also at the rally on Friday, uh, Radical Women had mentioned they were involved in the campaign against racism and fascism yes. and um, mentioned the rally that's happening in um, Bendigo on Saturday. So what do you see as the links between the Christian right and the nationalist right? Yes, that's, um, that's a good question. Um, between... Between the, um, the far right and the incipient fascist movement, there's a close link. And um, the, the only difference between the two, they're both reactionary and dangerous, but the only difference is that the fascist movement is there to, to, to build a popular movement 
in order to then be able to crush all capacity of the working class to organize, to crush our move, uh, to crush our movements, to crush the unions, and so on. But the far right and the fascists share um, ideas, and while the fascists right now are using Islamophobia as their their first little wedge that they can set in to divide, you know, the working class, the fascist movement is very much about the control of women. It's very racist and, um, you know, anti-refugee. It's very homophobic, etc. So um, there, there is that link. And so what we, were, what we were facing last Friday and confronting basically the ideas we were confronting last Friday are very much the same ideas that we will be confronting in Bendigo to turn the fascists out of Bendigo. We've got, and basically what it boils down to, if we're not going to be looking to the state, which we, we can't, um, then who do we look to? Well, we look to ourselves, mm. and we look to um, our, our need. Um, I think the job that we've got, all of us, is to build a massive democratic movement that can overpower the far right and the fascist movements. We can, and frankly, we have to. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, and maybe just before we move on, yeah, just like one of those little links, I guess, is uh, Danny Nalia, who's from the Rise yes. Up Australia party, like speaking at um, the Reclaim Australia events and calling the UPF, um, the United Patriot Front, like our brothers, basically, even though they would not want to have seen him in this country. Um, it's just like, it's mind blowing that like that embracement of like the extreme Christian right. And yeah, as you say, the fascist right. Yeah, you're right on that, John, because, um, he is another good, um, example in terms of, I'm sure a lot of listeners remember, um, the World Congress of Families last, uh, a year ago, August. Yeah. And that's when, um, the far-right World Congress of Families attempted to have a Congress here in Melbourne. We trounced that, but it was Danny Nalia's Catch the Fire Ministries that um, ended up being the venue for a very depleted conference, thanks to the mass organizing. But Danny Nalia, in that way as well, is short sort of embodies that link that we're talking about between the far right and the fascist movement. So you mm. see these particular people popping up all over the place, and um, and again we see we see why. Yeah. Um, well, that's pretty much the end of my questions. But you did mention um, just before that you would about like the need to build a movement. Did you have anything you wanted to? say about that, like the building a movement to defend and um, extend rights? And yes. Um, well, a movement, for one thing, what we, what we need in the here and now is a, um, a really big reproductive justice movement. And um, that's something where the clinic defense, one of the intentions has always been, of course, to defend the clinic, but also 
to be a, a rallying point for such a movement. And when we talk about reproductive justice, it's all aspects of um, reproductive rights, whether it be abortion rights and childcare or equal pay and public housing. In other words, everything women need to really be making choices. And we really do need to be building um, a reproductive justice movement, um, which would be addressing all those issues, and it would be powerful enough to be essentially ridding the streets and parliaments and and elsewhere of, of this terrible far-right movement. But the other thing, too, it was really significant that Campaign Against Racism and Fascism were there last Friday to speak, and they endorsed that rally because of that link between reproductive justice and fighting the fascist movement. So I think that these movements need to be, you know, linking up together and become especially powerful. Yep, no, totally. Um, so I guess that's pretty much the end of the interview, but um, what's next for the movement? There's the Clinic Defence this month? Did you yes, know? yes. The next Clinic Defence is going to be Saturday, October 24th. Um, what we do is we all get there at 9.30 in, in the morning, and um, we're there before the Helpers of God's Precious Infants show up in their rosary parade, and we keep them away from the clinic on the other side of Wellington Parade. And uh, these clinic defenses um, are going to be especially important ever since the Supreme Court ruling gave the green light to the anti-abortionists. Mm, totally. Well, thanks very much for um, your time today, Debbie. Um, it's been a really good interview, and yeah. Yes, thank you, John. Thank you very much. Not a worry. Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. Hi, you're back on the air. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio on 855am. Um, you're listening to The Sewer Show, the Squatter and Unwaged Worker Airwaves. And we just listened to quite a lengthy um, interview with Debbie from Radical Women. It was a really good interview, actually. Um, and I just, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about particularly the stuff that you mentioned um, about uh, the borders and, and getting denying Troy, Troy Newman um, entry into Australia. And I just think, yeah, it's really, I don't know, I don't think we should we should look to the state or to the authorities, particularly the border control, to protect women and to deny people visas based on anything, really. Um, and I guess w when it's done in the name of, like, protecting women or whatever, women's reproductive rights, it kind of annoys me a little bit more than usual. <laughs> um, and I also kind of wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Chris Brown and how Chris Brown also is 
I'm not sure if he has been denied or they're threatening to now deny him entry into Australia for playing um, a show, um, his tour. Yeah. yeah, and all of this happens just like a matter of weeks after there was going to be the, the big Border Force show in Melbourne where they were going to like randomly stop and check people. Operation Fortitude, I believe it was called. Yeah, as if somehow like that this wasn't going to be um, racially based, that they weren't going to mm. profile people. So, um, you know, at the same time as this is happening, you know, left allegedly lefty groups, they're right. like calling for the state to ban people from coming in. Yeah, it's. I, I just don't think we can ask the immigration department who's r- responsible for, um, you know, and this comes at the same time, I think it was last week I was reading about these women that got get were um, women in detention, young women in detention got gang raped by some people on, in Nauru and she'd been asking this Australian government to bring her to Brisbane so that she can get medical treatment and whatnot. And her mother is still... She's now in Brisbane. Her, her mother and her brother are still on Nauru and are being refused um, to see her. Her mother has attempted to commit suicide four times now this last week. And there was another woman who was raped that was asking to come to Brisbane or Darwin to get an abortion because she's now 11 weeks pregnant. And Australia is, you know, the Department of Immigration and Border Security is refusing. You know, this is how Australia protects women. This is, I don't know, and this Chris Brown thing as well is just really, you know, on top of this, it's kind of racist. It reinforces this idea that black men are more likely to be perpetrators of violence. It's It, it assumes that... Um, you know, hip hop and you know rap music is more misogynist than other types of music. Things like this. It also stigmatizes men in that do use violence against partners. You know, and makes us believe that they should be punished instead of trying to figure out some way that they can be accountable or some way that they can, um, you know, try and be different people or try and behave differently. You know, and and we just respond with these knee-jerk reactions and like ban them and stop this it doesn't work it doesn't change men's behavior it just reinforces all the crap that the state already does you know it's yeah I, i'm feeling really annoyed by this whole thing <laughs> mm, um, and one of the things that people had mentioned was that you know by this focus on chris brown's um history like of domestic violence mm. that somehow like the campaigners were arguing that this was sidetracking the issue of trying to stop domestic violence in Australia, that we're looking at rappers as if somehow domestic violence didn't exist before rap music. Before rap music existed, or yeah. the Or other forms of popular music or popular culture in general, like mm. that somehow, you know, that this becomes the scapegoat and so that if we all look at um, Chris Brown and if we stop him then yeah as you were saying like somehow this is going to protect women ignoring the way that we treat women in detention centers or that women are treated in australia in generally general, yeah and the general culture of misogyny in this country you know why don't we ban the football why don't we ban the afl and the nrl and all the other sports you know they're incredibly misogynist they have an incredible rape culture that's just like you know but we don't we ban the foreign black man from you know another country for the problems that Australia, you know, has in within its own borders. It's, <coughs> it's incredibly frustrating. Um, and I don't think we should look to the state to protect us and to protect 
women or to have any kind of say about what what is right for and what is best for women um, because they clearly don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess, like, this follows on well, like, with the interview about abortion rights. It's like, mm. how can you rely on a state to to give you that autonomy or defend like defend people grant them that full autonomy to be the the human that they want to be at the same time as that state is um you know denying rights um uh like say in australia for instance in new south wales um abortion is still a part of the criminal code it's not legal so at the you know i don't know if i'm making myself clear but like <laughs> that idea that by being free of domestic violence that somehow the state can protect us and allow us to make decisions about our own bodies free mm. of like male violence or of any other kind of thing at the same time as this state is being quite clear on like this is the limits that you can do with your own body so yeah. it, it just seems like completely hip- hypocritical in that sense as well the whole thing is incredibly hypocritical i think and and this idea of you know punishing people for behaving in ways that everyone's kind of behaves in, you know, and certain individuals are targeted for other reasons, you know, and it's just, yeah, the hypocrisy drives me nuts. I can't. <laughs> mm. This whole Chris Brown thing, Tony New- Troy Newman thing is, yeah, I just don't think if, if, if we're really serious about stopping domestic violence we need to look at other ways of doing it than using the border and using the the yeah state capitalist you know machine to mm. protect us well, yeah, um, and punishment by itself has never changed people's like never changed cultural behaviors mm. so like that culture of domestic violence it hasn't changed um through making it illegal not that it shouldn't be illegal but that the idea that somehow if we put some people in jail, that's going to stop everyone else from breaking the law when that obviously doesn't work. It doesn't happen. People just then, you know, feel extremely stigmatised and attacked for when they do behave in these ways. It's the same as racism. You tell someone they're a racist and they'll do anything that they can to pr- to say that they're not and they mm. get away with behaving in ways that are far worse than they were before. Like, mm. it, it doesn't... You know, we need to focus more on education and, like, uh, eliminating rape culture and misogyny in our minds and in our, you know, everything that we do. We can't just rely on the state to punish individual people when we feel, you know, at a whim while we ignore all the others, you know. How many celebrities are beating up their wives? I don't know, probably heaps of them. (laughs) Mm. You know, how do we make that decision? We allow the state to decide. Um. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess like with just just quickly with what you were saying about changing like the behaviours and changing um say rape culture and um, the cultures of domestic violence and that kind of thing, like I think we disagree slightly about name like that idea of stigma, but I think it's really important that we're naming behaviours, but that behaviour doesn't have to encapsulate all of someone's identity. And what's important is that they change those behaviours rather than get that label that then you know that they can't get rid of so that there's no motivation to try and change um not that i guess everyone wants to change that does those kinds of behaviors (laughs) but um trying to find something where we're changing behaviors rather than just putting someone in a prison for a little while and expecting them to come out reformed reformed and Mm. you know not actually probably 
having exposed been exposed to a whole bunch of trauma that might make them more likely to you know commit crime or to you know use violence that kind of thing you know and the, yeah anyway <laughs> yep <laughs> um what else I've, I've also got i just we just have running out of time and I've, we've got to talk a little bit about um uh, I wanted to plug this <coughs> Mess the West Fest that's going to be happening in the Western Suburbs um, at the end of October. And I've just got a short interview with Poppy, who's helping to organise some of that. Um, and I just wanted to, I guess, play the interview and then plug a little bit of other things that are going on in Melbourne and the surrounds in on the weekend and after that. Um I guess we'll go to a song first and then we can come back and play the interview. Hi, welcome back. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, The Sewer Show. Um, today I'm interviewing Poppy. Hi, Poppy. How are you today? Good, thanks. And yourself? I'm good. Um, so Poppy's got here and she's going to talk to us a little bit about the Mess the West Fest that's happening um October 22 to October 25, is that right? Yep, it's four days, so it's the 22nd to the 25th of October. Okay, so can you tell us just a little bit about what Mess the West Fest is, what we can expect? Yeah, for sure. So it's a completely DIY-run festival, and the whole idea is to sort of spread ideas about DIY culture and share any sorts of skills that people might have. All of the events will be held in DIY spaces, which means that there'll be no pubs or things like that. It also means that this uh, event will be completely all ages for the whole weekend. And if you are someone who has children as well, we have spaces for kids and stuff. So feel, please feel free to bring the kiddies along. Um, yeah, everyone's really welcome and we really want to get as many people to come down as possible. Oh, that sounds great. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what sort of events will be happening? Like I believe there's going to be workshops and stuff yeah, over so the four days. We've got um, a whole day of workshops on this Saturday, so that'll be really interesting. We've got some zine fairs and other things like that. We're also having a lot of music as well, um, ranging from pop, punk, ska, noise, and a whole bunch of other lineups as well to be happening. How exciting. And it's all happening in the western suburbs, is that yep. right? So Footscray, Yarraville, Sunshine. Yep, all in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Cool. So, Poppy, can you just give us a little bit of a brief rundown about what's happening on each of the days? Yeah, for sure. So, to kick off the event on the Thursday, we've got a cafe and open mic night at Hotshot Cafe in Footscray. On Friday night, there's a show at a secret location, and there's bands from Australia and New Zealand, and headlining is Ag Agatha, a queer punk band from the US. On Saturday, there's a range of workshops, from beekeeping to discussions on decolonization and to homebrew, and so many more workshops. All the workshops are free, but do just double check online because some of them you do need to book in. And on Saturday night, we've got a performance night and a whole range of acts, including Katie Spit and DJs all night. So bring your dancing shoes. And Sunday, there's a flea market and zine fair and a whole bunch of DIY stalls and music in the park. And the lovely crew from Food Not Bombs will be cooking up a big feed. Oh, it sounds awesome, Poppy. Um, if people are interested, can you just give us some details of like... Um websites or, or yeah that people can look at the program because I know the program's probably subject to change <laughs> yeah no of course and the program's actually a lot bigger than that as well so you can read the full program at messthewestfest.wordpress.com and if you're interested about any of the workshops or would you like to ask some questions you can email girls radio offensive at riseup.net 
Awesome. Thanks so much. You can also listen to Girls Radio Offensive on Monday nights at 11. um, And they'll probably be talking a little bit more about Mesa West on that show. So tune in, guys. Thanks so much for coming in today, Poppy, and telling us about Mess the West Fest. Thanks so much for having me and everyone out there. I hope you come along. And I hope you guys, uh, I know you guys are working really hard. So thank you for putting on (laughs) such a good festival that we can all enjoy. Thanks, Poppy. Thanks. So that was an interview that we heard with Poppy um, regarding the Mess the West Fest (coughs) that everyone should check out 22nd to the 25th of October. Um, And it's a DIY festival celebrating DIY culture and resistance. Thank you, Poppy. Uh, I just wanted to plug a few other events before I go. So tomorrow, there's a few things on tomorrow. Um, There's the Rally for Diversity in Bendigo. Say no to the UPF in Bendigo. That's tomorrow, October 10 at 12 o'clock noon at the Bendigo Town Hall. And for those of you who can't make it to Bendigo, there is also a March for the Babies counter rally. So the March for the Babies is an um, anti-abortion rally that happens every year and the counter rally is going ahead uh, this year. Um, and that's at 1 o'clock at Parliament House in Spring Sp- Street. Um, also, there's a rally for refugees on Sunday, 11th of October at 2 o'clock at the State Library. And that's for... Uh, refu- um, being held by the Refugee Action Collective um, to close Manus and Nauru and end mandatory detention. And finally, there's a rally in solidarity with the Indigenous Mapuche people in Chile, and that's happening on Monday, October 12, at 12 noon at the Chilean Consulate, 390 St Kilda Road in the city. So there's heaps of other events on. There's so much going on. But if you can check any of those out, if you have time, that would be awesome. And um, there's also Hop Community Centre is closing. So tonight there's like a... Um, cooling party. A cooling a party. A cooling party. <laughs> it's the opposite to warming party. It took me a long time to get <laughs> that to click. But um, yeah, so that's happening tonight up in Reservoir. Get along to that if you can. Um, oh, that's the last show too, isn't it? So people should absolutely check that out. Hop. It's Plenty Road. Yep. Uh, maybe 659 Plenty Road yep. in Rezo. And then there's... On Sunday, there is the Wrenchworthy Farewell sort of event where they're going to be selling some bike stuff and um, there's going to be a, bake, a book sale and a few other things and that's open to everyone of all genders as a, like a fundraiser for Wrenchworthy. So get along to that too. And that's pretty much all we have time for. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to Debbie from Radical Women and Poppy um, from Hotshot. Thanks. And stay tuned for Mafalda. Yes. The Sewer Show. Squatters and unwaged airwaves. Presenting views, news and interviews from the Centrelink queues. Information on your squatting, legal and other rights. Troublemaking news from around the world. Coming at you every Friday between 5.30 and 6.30pm on 3CR.